hey, if you're up here and you're, if you're here and you're looking up here and you're like, yo, you're not Eddie. Yo, you're right. I'm not Eddie. Um, Eddie is preaching a revival because he's the man. And when you're the man, that's what you do. Um, so <clears throat> I am filling in for Pastor Eddie today. Um, my name is AJ Stevens. I'm our next gym pastor here at the Orchard. Um, as the next gym pastor, really and truly, what I do is I work with our different student pastors at our different campuses and our different kids coordinators at our different campuses. But this year, I will be with you guys in Live Oak um, with our student ministry. So I'll be kind of heading up our student ministry here in Live Oak. So here's my shameless plug for the, uh, that I'm going off script for. If you guys are here and you have a 6th through 12th grader, or if you're here and you're a 6th through 12th grader, well, we'd love to have you. We are kicking off next Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock right here. Next Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock right here. Cool. So um, <clears throat> going back on script, we are in our series called Chapter 2. And the whole point of Chapter 2 is really um, to talk about, hey, like, what's my next step, right? Like, I've been doing this Christianity thing for a little while, but I'm not really sure what's next. I don't really, I haven't really progressed much with my relationship with Jesus because I really don't know how. Um, and so Chip, Chip said something last week, and I thought it was really good. Um, Chip's our campus pastor at the rink, and he said, um, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, right? And I'm like, that sounds just like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? But I feel like at the end of the day, there's the same issue. Like, okay, one step. Where do I take my one step? Okay, great. I get it. I have to eat this elephant one bite at a time. But at the end of the day, it's still an elephant. And where do you bite an elephant first? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, sometimes it's difficult to know where do I start um, with my relationship with Jesus? Where do I start um, in this Christianity thing? And the cool thing about this series is um, whether you've been a Christian since big screen uh, this past month or whether you've been a Christian for 20 or 30 years, um, we all have a step to take, right? We all have a next step in our relationship with Jesus to take. And so that's what this sermon series is really all about. Um, uh, it's just like, hey, what do I do next? I've been a Christian for 20 years, but I feel like I haven't done anything. Like, I feel like I haven't moved anywhere. I feel like I haven't grown in my relationship with Jesus. Or, um, hey, I became a Christian last week or yesterday. What do I do? Like, I'm on fire. I'm ready to go. Just tell me what to do, and, and I'll run that direction as hard as I possibly can. So um, I love this series. I love it because um, I think it's a question everyone's asking. And if we're, all, if we're honest, a lot of times we can be overwhelmed with the idea of Christianity, right? Like, there's all these rules. Is there? Is there not? Are there rules? There's this Jesus guy, and I thought he did away with the rules. Or, like, what's going on? How do I filter through this Christianity thing? And so I love this series because I think it's a good practical step um, for us to take. It's a good way for us to look at scripture and say, okay, practically, what do I do next with this? What do I do next with this information? So um, I'm really excited. If you have your Bibles today or a smartphone or a tablet or whatever, um, we're going to be in two passages. One we're going to be in really short, and that's Acts chapter 9. That'll just be like a quick blurb. Uh, but the one we're going to be spending the majority of our time on is Colossians 3. So I'm going to kind of recap us from last week and where we were last week while you're flipping. Uh, if you're going to flip, I would flip to Colossians 3. Acts will be on the screen. Um, but yeah, last week we talked about, um, you know, hey, what's my first step? Like, what's the first thing as a Christian? Like, I, hey, just accepted Jesus, what do I do? And so um, what we decided to do with this series was we said, hey, let's look at the life of this guy named Paul. Um, Paul was a pretty solid Christian, right? Like, if you were going to rank Christians, not that you should, but if you were going to, um, Paul would be pretty high up on the totem pole um, just because of who he was and what he did, right? We look at this guy, and he wrote over half the New Testament. He wrote all these letters to all these churches. Um, he was responsible for a ton of, uh, leading a ton of people to Jesus. He was responsible for discipleship and maturity, a ton of different local churches um, as the church is getting started. And so, um, we sat down and we're just kind of like, hey, who better to look at when it comes to what's their next step than this guy named Paul. So um, in Acts chapter 9, that's kind of been our 
you know, our, our main passage that we're pulling this chapter 2 stuff from. Um, and so that's where we're at. Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 9, sorry. And then verse uh, 18 is where we got last week. Last week we started with baptism, right? Last week we said, hey, your first step as a believer, um, the first thing you should do is get baptized. And we're just looking at the life of Paul here and seeing how he fleshes things out. Um, so we talked all about baptism last week. And so in verse 18 it says, um, at once something like scales fell from his eyes and he, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. So Paul's on the road to Damascus. Jesus confronts him. He sees Jesus um, in a big light so much so that he goes blind, right? And goes to Ananias. Um, and God's like, hey, Ananias, this dude's going to be coming. And uh, Ananias is like, yeah, I know that dude. He kills people like me, right? Like that's his job is he kills, he kills Christians. Um, so are you sure you're sending the right guy? <laughs> like, like, are you sure you're going to send him to me and that's what you want me to do? Um, and God's like, yes, don't question me. Here's what's happening. Um, so he goes and when Ananias, he, you know, through his interaction with Ananias, these scales end up falling from his eyes. He regains his sight. And the first thing he does after that conversion experience is he goes and he gets baptized, okay? And then, so that was last week, and so we're jumping into this week, and this week, you see uh, verse 19 up there on the screen. So after he gets up and he was baptized, it says he took some food, he regained his strength, um, and then Saul, now Paul, right, was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. So the first thing he does, boom, goes and gets baptized, great job. And then the second thing he does was he goes immediately with disciples in Damascus for one time, for, for some time. So the next, the very next thing he does is says, hey, I need to be surrounded by other believers. I'm a new believer. I'm fresh to this. I need to be surrounded by people that are going to support me, by people that are going to pour into me, by people that are going to love me, and by people that are like-minded with me now. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> that's kind of funny because if you were a disciple and this guy had been killing, you know, your friends, right? And he's like, hey, guys, you want to hang out? You'd be like, no, I don't want to hang out. Like, you just killed all my friends. Um, but it's cool because they accepted him because they say, hey, this is what trans life transformation looks like. With Jesus, we understand that. Hey, we forgive you. We want to love on you. And they bring him into the fold, and he starts to do life with them. And that's going to be kind of uh, the gist of where we're going today. Um, and and kind of leads us to our uh, a big idea, and that is... Um, that to keep following Jesus, you need the local church, right? You need those people around you that are going to support you, that are going to love on you, um, and that are making up the local church, right? Christian books are great. Beth Moore books, cool if you want to read them. Tim Keller, he's an awesome author. Um, and if you just want to have Christian friends, great. That's great too. And, and both of those things are great, right? The books and, and the friends, but neither of those two things in and of themselves are the local church. And there's something about the local church that's more than just friendship, right, with Christian people. And it's more than just, uh, you know, reading on your own and studying on your own. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Why the local church? Why not just Christian friends? Why not just Christian resources? Why is the local church in and of itself um, really important? So, you know, Paul, Paul, this dude that goes and hangs out with these disciples after he, you know, converts to Christianity, he's the same guy that writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, um, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Like, obviously, as Christians, we know the Bible is more than just a book full of great practical advice, right? There's a ton of great practical advice in there. Um, just like if you don't want to live a crappy life, there's a lot of things in there you could probably listen to and not live a crappy life with. Um, but as Christians, we know, hey, there's more to it than that. It's a relationship with Jesus and everything stemming from that. Um, but is that not great practical advice, right? I'm sure for the majority of us, there's been a season of life where we've been like, hey, yeah, that's true. Bad company does corrupt good morals. I know for me it's true. Um, 
I've seen the difference in my life, you know, when I hang out with uh, the group that never listens to anything I have to say, but is always influencing me to do things I shouldn't be doing, as opposed to the group of people, um, you know, no coincidence, that's in the local church um, that we do life with all the time, that we're, we're like-minded, we're running the same direction, um, and, you know, and, and we have the same interests in mind. And so um, that's a pretty cool little, uh, you know, practical piece of advice that he drops uh, right there in 1 Corinthians. Actually, he gets it from a playwriter, and so he's using this practical piece of information to tell Christians practically. Uh, there's a playwriter of the day, and he writes this in one of his plays, and Paul's saying, hey, this thing that you know that's so famous, yeah, that's actually really good advice. You should do that too. Um, and so that's just going to be like the baseline of where we're going today. We're going to be talking about the local church, and why is the local church important? Why are these, uh, why is this good community important in the life of a Christian? And so I'm excited because I love, I love the idea of chapter two. I love the idea of this series. I love the idea of, uh, hey, where do I go from here? What's next? Um, what's my practical step? Where should I put my teeth on that elephant, right? Like, how do I, how do I know where to go? Some of you are like, oh, that's really visual. Yeah, it was visual for me too when I said it. I didn't think it was going to be that visual. Um, <clears throat> but that's where we're going to be. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Colossians 3 and kind of unpack um, some of the idea behind why the local church is important. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for an opportunity just to come and to sit and to listen. Um, I pray that I would sit and listen as much as everybody out there. I pray that um, this word that you've got for them would also be a word for me, and I pray that it would be a word from you, so ultimately um, I would just get out of the way, Father. I pray that this morning um, you would just prepare our hearts, remove any distractions, allow us to focus, lean in uh, to what you have, and, and ultimately, Father, I pray that this morning you would show us the importance of your church and the goal that you have in mind for your church, your local church, Father. I pray that you would uh, allow us to be a good expression of that local church, the orchard to be a good expression of that local church. Uh, while we're not perfect, Father, I pray that you would equip us and prepare us and help us to be um, the majority of what you've called us to be, Father. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your Bibles, Colossians 3, um, usually what I do is I go through and read it, um, like the whole thing, but it's a lot, so it's like a big elephant. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna do it little by little. We're gonna break it down as we go. Um, so, Verses 1 through 4, Paul's writing, and what I love about Colossians 3 is it's literally titled, like some, some passages, right? Paul obviously didn't title these, but your, um, your biblical uh, authors, the people that put these together, like Zondervan and stuff, they'll go through and their publishers will title some of these uh, different chapters so you have an idea of what you're about to read. And this chapter, the beginning of this chapter, is titled, The Life of a New Man, right? What better way to start chapter 2 than with a passage that literally says the life of a new man because we are a new creation uh, in Christ, right? And so uh, the life of a new man, here's verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 4 to start. Paul writes, he says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Excuse me if I have to like take a sip of water at some point. I'm still in the mend. You can you probably tell um, from a cold this past week. But I love this passage starting off because the first thing he says is, so if you have been raised with Christ, right? So if you have been raised with Christ. So he's saying right away, this passage is not for everybody. This letter is not for everybody. This letter is for Christians. This is for those of you who have said, I've died to sin and I've been raised with Christ, right? We talked about that picture of baptism last week where we're buried in our sins with Christ because Christ took our sins to the grave and then he rose 
spotless, blameless on on your behalf, right? Um, So he says, if so, so if you have been raised with Christ, if you're identifying with Jesus, if you're identifying with sinlessness, if you're identifying with um, who he is and what he has said he has done for you, then I want you to listen up. This is, this, this part is for you, is what Paul's saying. He says, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So really and truly, this whole first part is saying, hey, you Christians, here's step one. Step one is understand that you have a new identity, right? And with a new identity comes a new perspective. And things are about to shift. Things are about to be different for you. Um, it says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ is your, who is your life appears, so you will also appear with him in glory. So Paul's saying, hey, your life, when you decided to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus and I want to make Jesus my own, right? Your life is no longer your own. Jesus now is your Lord, right? Jesus now is the one who's saying, this is what we need to do. This is what we don't need to do. And so if that's true, if you identify with Christ, then this is what that looks like for you, right? These are the next steps for you um, to follow Jesus. And he's saying, hey, it's a perspective shift, right? Like, yeah, you're gonna want to do, you're gonna want to do the wrong thing. While we're wearing this skin, uh, full disclaimer, I'm not perfect, right? I know Eddie does a good job of letting you guys know that he's not perfect when he's up here. Um, and and neither, of any are, neither are any of you, right? We're, while we're wearing this skin, we're not going to be perfect. Um, and, and I don't think that's what God expects, but I do think God expects us to be obedient, right? God does want us and calls us to something more than just, hey, this is what I've always done, so this is what I'm always going to do. But when we accept Jesus, when we have that relationship with Jesus, our perspective shifts from the things that we used to do, these little things, these things that don't matter, these things that don't have a heavenly purpose, as Paul puts it, to the things that do, to the things that Christ wants us to do, to the things that honor God and that glorify God. And so that's kind of how he opens up <clears throat> um, this, this excerpt that he's about to go into. Um, and it's cool because this plays into the local church because when we understand that the local church is full of believers— you have a giant group of people pulling in the same direction, right? You have a giant group of people that are all saying, yes, I'm, I'm signing up for that. I'm signing up to, to let you know as my family in the local church that, yeah, I've agreed my perspective should be shifting. So if it's not, I want you to come alongside of me and I want you to love me through that. And I want you to tell me that's not okay. And I want you to, to hold me accountable to that. Um, but it's also more than that, right? Um, it's also a group of like-minded people that have good things that happen to them and that get to celebrate with their local church and they get to walk through the good things in life together too. Um, and so it's cool when you see this in light of the local church, you see a bunch of people who aren't perfect but just had Jesus do everything for them and say, hey, my life's no longer my own. Let's all pull in the same direction. And so that's kind of the emphasis on the local church there right off the bat for Paul um, that we can pull out of this. So <clears throat> let's keep reading. He says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And, once, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. And then this is, this is my favorite part of this. In Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. So right, he's just explaining 
um, what he just talked about in that first part. He's saying, hey, look, all these things that you, that you used to want to do, yeah, we're going to have to put those off and we're going to have to put on the new self. We're going to have to put on uh, these things that, that are desirable for, for God. And so we're going to get into that in the next passage that we read. Um, but he's saying, put on the new self. And then he goes into verse 11. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. And in all. Um, and what I love about this is he's saying, you know, obviously there's that practical like, hey, let's not do those things anymore. Let's not do those bad things anymore um, because that's not who we are in Christ anymore. Um, but I love verse 11 because in verse 11 he's saying, as a matter of fact, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what political affiliation you used to or do belong to. It doesn't matter what kind of home life you had. What matters is that you're in a relationship with Jesus. And so the other cool thing uh, about the local church is that it's this completation, like this, this compiling of a bunch of different people with the same goal in mind, right? It's this group of people that come together uh, for us on Sundays and say, you know, it doesn't matter um, where you've been, what you've done, uh, who you formerly were. We know who we are right now, and we know who Christ calls us to be, and, and that's enough, right? And so we're all going to pull in the same direction with that in mind. And I love that. <clears throat> I love that he points that out. I love that he uses different, uh, he uses different you know, geographic locations. He uses different um, you know, religious affiliations based on who they were, formerly were. He even uses slaves and free people to contrast that. Like, hey, the slave, right, the slave that's getting paid, um, a very little to do the work is no different than the free person that's paying them to do that work because Jesus is the difference maker, right? Jesus gives us a level playing field. We don't have anything outside of him, neither the slave nor the free person. So I love that he does that. I love that he evens the playing field right there and shows us that, hey, when you're part of the local church, um, the playing field is even because you're all under Christ. You're all in Christ. Christ is uh, all in all, right? And so it's really cool. I love that he does that. Um, and the reason I keep saying he's talking to the local church because he hasn't made that clear is because he's writing this in the book of Colossians, right? And the book of Colossians was actually just a letter written to a local church. Um, and so even though he's not saying, um, you know, in every line to the local church, actually in the beginning of the letter, he says to the church at Colossae, right? So this is to a local church. So this is for us as well. Um, and I love that about these letters from Paul. I love that 2,000 years ago, Paul's writing, and this is relevant for us right now. I love that, that there's no new thing um, for us as Christians. It, it's the same Jesus. It's the same walk um, then as it is now. So <clears throat> I love that he ends that like that in verse 11, but let's keep reading. Um, Therefore, as God's chosen, oh, here we go. Therefore, as God's chosen, um, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, uh, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, unity, unity. Can't stress that enough. Um, and let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. So cool because he just gets done saying, right, like, hey, here are the things we shouldn't do. Here are the things that we should avoid. Here are the things that the old self really loved, right? Um, but that's not enough, right? Like, we have to replace that with something, especially if we're going to be part of the local church, right? Especially if you're going to coincide um, with other believers that are pulling in the same direction. When you put those things off, when you get rid of those things, 
Here's what we put on. We put on compassion. We put on kindness. We put on humility, gentleness, and patience. Um, and I love that he goes into bearing. He says bearing with one another, right? Sometimes if we're honest, we bear with one another, right? Um, and bear with one another and forgiving one another in love um, because Christ has forgiven you, right? Um, if there's one thing that the church knows how to do below the Mason-Dixon line, it's disagree a lot inside our walls, right? Um, we're really good at that. And we're really good at um, confrontation. We're really good at preferences, right? Uh, that's one of the things I love about the orchard, though, that doesn't, um, that does not reign supreme in these walls, and I love that about us here at the orchard, um, but the reality is the orchard is not, you know, excluded from that. There are going to be moments where uh, church members in here, we struggle, and, and, and we argue, and we complain, and we do things that we shouldn't be doing, um, but Paul makes a point to say, hey, remember, like, when you also weren't that cool, right? And, and Jesus took care of that anyway. That's the same attitude you should have toward the person that you don't think is acting uh, so great right now. Um, and kind of shows how the local church should act, um, but how the local church is unified. And I love that about that. I love that he's saying, hey, um, the local church should be unified and you should love one another like this. But um, the fact that he's giving us a to-do list uh, as helps us assume that we are not doing it, right? The fact that he had to give the church at Colossae a to-do list lets us know that, hey, there was something they should have been doing that they weren't doing. And I think, again, we're no different, right? We're not excluded from that. Um, all these things that he's telling us to do, to put on, are things that, you know, we probably struggle with at times. We probably don't do to the best of our ability at all times. And so it's a great reminder that, like, this part of the letter comes with the assumption that you're not doing a great job at this and you can do better at this um, inside the local church. And, 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 and as we keep going, the whole point, right, the whole point is so that the local church can fulfill God's mission, right, so that the local church can go out and love a community because the local church is the expression of God to a community, right? They don't get to see God, so they see us. And if we're doing our job, we look a lot like Jesus should look to our community. And that's another reason why the local church is so important. Um, and that's a reason why we're kind of um, beating this drum and saying, hey, let's get you plugged in. Let's do this. Let's, let's help you get involved. Um, because it's A, going to be for your benefit, but B, going to be for the benefit of your community, those unbelievers around you, the people who haven't tasted of the gospel um, that you've tasted of. So um, really cool that, that there's a lot of grace involved in this conversation that Paul's having. Um, but let's keep reading. <clears throat> Verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That last part is kind of like, oof, right? Like, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, right? Like, if, if we were to sit back and reflect on everything that we do, I think we would have a hard time being like, hey, did I do that in the name of Jesus or did I do that in the name of I'm really upset right now? You know what I mean? And so it's a good reflection that Paul's, um, that Paul's given them. But what I want you to see, that was like for free. That wasn't supposed to be in there, but I just thought that was cool. Um, what I do want us to see is that there is a part of the local church to be played in this part of the passage too. And it's like the most practical thing, right? It's probably the one thing that we actually think of when we say, hey, I'm waking up and I'm going to church on Sunday. And that's <clears throat> um, through songs, spiritual hymns, and singing to God uh, with gratitude in your heart, but it's also with wisdom, um, 
in all teaching, right? So you got the teaching and then you got the worship, right? And so if there's two things that we do on a Sunday, it's this last part, right? It's this last part that practically your local church should be doing. Um, practically your local church should be teaching you, right? Pastor Eddie should be, as your lead pastor, as your, as your campus pastor here, he should be teaching you. He should be telling you, hey, here's how things work. Hey, here's how we, here's how we walk. Here's how we talk. Here's how we act as Christians. This is what the Christian life looks like. Um, and another thing I love about the orchard is that, you know, the three guys that we do have regularly preaching um, are solid theologically and they give you truth and they give you wisdom and they give you teaching. Um, and, and I don't ever have to sit there and question whether or not, right, like what they're saying is accurate because of how much time they spend uh, and how truthful they are to the word. But the other thing um, <clears throat> is singing, right? Like the, the singing is no new thing. 2,000 years ago, people were singing songs and hymns, and that was their way of expressing worship to God. And when we come in here on Sunday mornings, what do we do? We sing, right? And, and, it's, and it's, again, going back to uh, talking about Jeff again here, but we're not just singing any songs, right? We're not just singing the most popular songs that are out on Christian radio, but Jeff and his worship teams, they take the time in Jordan, they sit down and they say, hey, is this just like a bunch of fluff or is there some meat here? Like, like, are we worshiping God with this song? What are we doing with this song? And so I love that our church takes the time too to sit down and say, hey, it's important what we're listening to. It's important what we're singing. It's important how we're worshiping. Uh, so we're not just singing anything and everything. And so, um, I think that's great. I think it's another thing the local church should be doing that, that, um, that we do. And that's another thing to be a part of. It's an important thing to be a part of. Uh, because when we're not careful and we don't sit under good teaching, we're a lot more likely to just listen to anything and regurgitate anything. Um, and if we're not singing and we're not uh, worshiping, um, then it, it, there's something missing there. There's something that God has designed for us that we're not getting uh, to take part in as the local church. And so... Um, <clears throat> Practically, I love that part, but um, I know it gets tough because it's like, okay, I hear you. That passage is great. I see everything that Paul's saying, um, but like, practically, what's next? Like, like that's cool. I can do all those things, but how do I do all those things? Uh, I hear what you're saying. I hear that I need to do those things, but what's my step? How do I engage in those things? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, so we're going to talk about that too. We're going to talk about. Um, you know, practically, what's that, how's that look? What's that look like for you? How do you get involved um, in your local church? And um, the first step, right, is to become a part of a local church. And so um, church membership is the first thing that we have on here for like practically, how do I get connected? What do I do? What's that look like for me? Um, church membership, right? And church membership is cool uh, because I think it shows us that, hey, like, like there's a twofold purpose to church membership. A, um, your you're getting from that, right? Like people are going to love on you. You're going to have a family of believers that surround you on a regular basis that you can do life with um, that are gonna pour into you. Um, but the other cool thing about church membership is you get to do that, right? You get to do that with a local group of believers. You get to do that with people who are all pulling in the same direction. Um, and, and really and truly what it lets me do and lets you do is uh, when we say, hey, I'm signing up, I'm to join this family to be a part of this local church. It says, I'm allowing you to step into my life, to speak into my life, right? Now, here's what I don't want you to hear me say. Practically, you should develop a relationship. Like, don't just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I joined the church, you're doing this wrong. Like, don't do that, that's not good. Um, develop a relationship, but what church membership does is it gives you the opportunity to develop a relationship, right? To say, hey, these are the people I'm deciding I'm gonna do life with. This is the teaching I'm going to sit under. Um, so practically church membership. But here's, there's, there's several reasons I love church membership. Um, 
your own assurance, right? It's going to help you know, hey, I'm growing the right way. I'm learning the right way. I'm doing the things that I need to be doing to pursue Christ. And if I'm not, I, get, I have a body of believers that are going to surround me and say, hey, man, maybe we should pull in a different direction. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And again, those things don't just happen, right? You develop a relationship with your local church and the people in it to do that. Um, <clears throat> but again, you get to be that for people, right? So they're that for you, but you also get to be that for you. You're signing up for that mutual let me do life with you connection um, that you're not going to get outside of the local church. Um, it's also good for your, like, like you as an individual. Like if you're sitting under teaching, you're going to learn, you're going to grow, you're going to, to take part in something. Um, but it's also good for your leaders, right? Because, you know, you see commonly referred to um, in scripture, you see the pastor referred to as a shepherd, right? But a shepherd's not a shepherd unless, a shepherd unless he has sheep, right? There needs to be a flock to guide and to love, and, and God's called certain people to that. And so when you look at a guy like Pastor Eddie, there's a reason he's been doing it for so long, right? Because God's called him to it. And when he's not doing that, I'm sure he's going crazy, right? I'm sure he's losing his mind because that's the thing that God's called him to do. And when he's not doing that, he's not fulfilling the thing that God's called him to do. So it's good for you because Eddie's loving you, and Pastor Eddie's teaching you, and, and he's caring for you. But it's also good for him because you're allowing him to do that, and that's what God has called him to do. Um, and so it's good for you and it's good for your, le your leaders. Um, but it's good for unbelievers, right? It's good for unbelievers in your community, people who aren't inside these walls yet when you become a church member um, because it's giving you something to affiliate with to say, hey, come be a part of this with me. I would love for you to check this out. Um, it's good for unbelievers in that regard. It's also good for unbelievers in, in the regard that like, hey, we're, we're pulling the same direction. And so now the local church, because there's members, right? And there's people that are in it. We can go out in the community and we can love people who don't know what the church is, who don't know what Jesus is. But if there is no local church and there is no community pulling in the same direction, then we can't do that. Um, so it's good for, your, um, for, uh, it's good for unbelievers as well. Um, but it's also good for, for perseverance. And we talked about this kind of a couple times already. Um, but for your own perseverance, it's good for you to know that you've got someone who's not just going to let you run wild, right? When you look in James and you look at this idea of community um, in the book of James, I love it because it's littered with community and why community is important. Um, but in one of the last chapters of James, he talks about like a brother who wanders away and then bringing him back, right? And so saying, hey, I love you enough to not let you stay there because I know that's not healthy for you. So I want to bring you back. And so it's good for your own perseverance too when you're part of um, the local church. So that's church membership. That's why I think church membership is so important. Um, but church membership is just one of the four things that we can do practically. Um, so joining the church, if you have questions like, hey, that's great. I agree with you. Um, how do I do that? Uh, go ahead and fill out a Get Connected card and just put your information and we will follow up with you and, and talk through the whole church membership process here at the Orchard um, and talk about what that looks like and hopefully get you plugged in. I'm going to do my favorite one last, so we're going to skip that one and go to serving teams. Serving teams is another great way practically, like, hey, practically, how do I get involved? Um, the people that are on serving teams usually love what they do because that's, that's how they're being part of the local church. That is what they feel God is leading them to do, right? Uh, if you're good at holding doors, hey, there's a spot for you to serve. There's a spot for you to love on your brothers and sisters that come in every Sunday. Um, if you're great at holding babies, there's definitely a spot for you to serve. If you're great at teaching kids, there's a spot for you to serve. If you're great at being a small group leader in student ministry, there is a spot for you to serve. Just come talk to you after the service. Um, but if you're great at greeting people, like, like my wife, I don't know anybody who makes people feel at home more than my wife. It's just a gift. If that's a gift that you have, um, then there is a place of service for you in the local church. Um, and so serving opportunity allows you to get together and start to do life with people uh, and work alongside people um, that are part of your church family. And and honestly, some of the best relationships are cultivated when you're striving toward the same goal, right? Like when I'm working with you, 
when we're doing something, the same task together. Uh, there's just a relationship that gets formed in doing that, and it's great. Um, the third thing is our next steps lunch, right? Um, and this is really going to be, uh, I probably should have put this forth, but I really want to save mine for last, so I'm going to do this now. But if you want to know how to get involved with any of these practical things, the next step lunch is a great way to do that. It's free. It's usually Publix, like free Publix, you should be there anyway. Like whether we talk about anything or not, it's free in Publix. It's great. But the next step lunch is going to unpack how do I get involved in a serving team? What's the orchard all about? Is it a church that I want to join? Is it a church I want to become a member at? Um, is it a church that I want to join a small group at? It, it, what is the orchard? Can you flesh that out for me? Um, what I love about our next steps lunch is we let you ask any question you want to ask. We give you information, but it's also we're open books and we let you ask whatever you want to ask and we answer truthfully. Um, <clears throat> and then the last one, the last one is my favorite and it's small groups, right? Anybody who's in a small group um, is going to tell you they love their small group generally um, because it's a great opportunity to say, hey, here's the local church, right? Six of us, eight of us, 10 of us, whatever. We're going to get together and we're going to go deeper. Those are the people I'm going to let into the fold. Those are the people that I'm going to let hold me accountable. Those are the people I'm going to share the toughest things that I deal with in life, right? When I struggle with really hard things, those are the people I'm going to share it with. Um, <clears throat> and so small groups are great because it's a great opportunity for you to come alongside and really love on each other. And, and this is where I think you see one of the best areas I think you see the local church manifest itself um, is through small groups as far as your own cultivating goes. I think it's a great opportunity um, to do life together. If you have a question about small groups, that white card, the next steps card, um, is the card to fill out. Fill that out and take it back to that box in the back um, and say, hey, I'm just interested in a small group. Here's my name. Here's my number. And we'll follow up with you. And we'll see if there's a small group to get you plugged into. Um, and, and we'll try to keep it like your age, your demographic, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just so you're not showing up and there's like, like you're 40 and there's an 18-year-old and you're like, yo. But sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's great. Um, but the small groups are also age-specific, so you're dealing with some of that same life stage stuff and it's really good. Um, but I love small groups because there's been some really tough times. Um, I, I've been through some tough seasons and I've seen the value of a small group, both with hard things that I'm dealing with and um, things that I'm dealing with that I shouldn't be dealing with, things I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing and watching brothers uh, in, come back and say, hey man, you don't need to be doing that. Let's reel it back in. Um, and me getting upset because you get your feelings hurt at first, right? You're like, hey, don't tell me I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, but you're wrong. Um, but then doing that because that's what's good for you and, and um, ultimately knowing that that's what's good for you. So small groups, love them. I think they're great. Um, but church membership, serving teams, next steps, lunch, and small groups, those are the four ways practically that we really think you can get connected um, here at the local church or here at the orchard, um, the orchard being a local church. And I think all that to say, those are, that's why the local church still matters. <clears throat> that's why this letter to the Colossian church is just as relevant as, um, you know, Pastor Eddie sitting with you every Sunday and saying, hey, here's what's important because the local church still matters. We're still a body of believers pulling in the same direction with one goal, to be the expression of Christ to our community um, and to grow and to cultivate each, uh, each other's relationships. Um, and so the local church still matters. That's our takeaway today.